hello, I have listened to your podcast, and I think the monarchy is good. <laughs> Yours truly, the Queen of England. You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Hello, and welcome to the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast. Unrehearsed, randomized reviews without the bull. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend, Michael Hodgins. Michael, hello. <laughs> Hello. And also joining us is Crofton Steers. Hi, Crofton. Hey, Bo and Mike. How are you? Good? You're my good friends, my buddies, well, my compadres. Well, well, I only said that in reference to Mike. I don't know if you caught that or not. I'm very bad with subtle social niceties. <laughs> uh, well, that's a well I've already went to. Anyways, how are you boys doing today? You guys ready to delve deep into a topic? Yes, I am always ready to delve deep. Speaking of deep delving, on the weekend, I went over to Bo Schwartz's place and I tried this new sensation that's been sweeping the nation, uh, which is uh, the Oculus Rift which uh, Bo in has received the nerd, in the mail. Nerd Nation. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's it's interesting though. Like Facebook bought this this company for two billion dollars. It was a Kickstarter. Sorry, now all the Kickstarter backers are either suing or trying to be disgruntled about giving their money to Facebook. Really, is what happened. But the product itself is like a virtual reality thing. Bo ordered a developmental kit, and we tried it on the weekend. Bo, what was your impression? Um, my impression was that it's really cool, um, except that there isn't a lot. It's not a consumer product, so it's not like there's easily accessible products to use for it. So I feel like I haven't really gotten use out of it. But um, basically, for those who don't know what it is, it's a pair of like basically a visor that you strap over your face. It's kind of like Jordy from Star Trek, I think, except it's larger. And you enter a virtual world. So um, one of the demos I have, you just walk on the ocean floor and look at the fish. Until a great white shark kills you, which is what happened to me. Scared the living bejesus out of me. Uh, I will exactly as cool as you think it is. It really is one of those moments when I put it on that I felt like like that science fiction stuff that you read as a kid. Like I'm not sure if you guys ever saw that movie Lawnmower Man and like oh, yeah. um, there's there's – there's a couple of, of, of virtual reality. Virtual reality is one of those things that's being kicked around a lot. Like but that this Dire is... Straits video, Money for Nothing? <laughs> yeah, like Money, oh, yeah, God. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. But, but it's, it, it, is really, it is really cool. And I'm, I'm keen on seeing it's still in early development and Bo has sort of a, uh, an unfinished version or whatever, the latest version. But you put it on and one of the things was a ro- roller coaster and one was like the, one of those pirate ship rides that you do. And you can see like it does head tracking so you can look behind you. You can look left, right. It's crazy. It's, it's, like, you're, it's, it's like you're there. And honestly, I was just sitting on a chair in Bo's apartment. The future is now. VR, that should be a topic. Virtual reality, we should put it's that in the hopper. It's funny, like, I already want to argue about this because I'm like, yeah, you just said it. Sitting on a chair, I'm like, all we need is to get ourselves more detached from reality. That's that's a good thing for the world. Yeah, i spoken like someone who's not tried it. Honestly, it's pretty <laughs> I'm sure awesome. It's, I'm sure it's pretty fun. I saw something, someone posted something that someone had done with Oculus Rift where there's like this kind of like chair you sit in i guess it's like a flight simulator so you, like like as if you're a superman so you you lie in this kind of chair on your belly that has and i guess it, it moves around a bit so you and i'm like that would be pretty fun like i i, I could see going making like an arcade yeah. experience much if, if, cooler yeah. 
if you could like, wow, I feel like I'm flying like Superman, that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah, like we talked about that on the superhero episode that your number one chosen power would be to fly. Well, I mean, that's the closest you could come so far to, to flying without. Well, or getting your pilot's license. But I mean, flying without a vehicle, you know, like actual superhuman. Skydiving flying. then would be the closest. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know. Like the, all of my only point is there are things you can do in the real world. Yes, as well yes, yes. That sensation. Yeah, no, but that's no just, sit on your chair with computer screens. That's no, no, no. It's, it's different than sitting in your chair with a computer screen because it really like tricks your brain into, they have pretty much perfected and they've got a, tweak it a bit but they've they've perfected the visual part of vr like so that so that when i look left when i look right when i look behind my me it is like it it is there it's like i'm 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 in this virtual world or what whatever what what they don't have is the 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 rest right so the first thing you do is you look down at your hands and you expect them not to be there but you know uh, you expect them to be there but of course they're not because there's it's only an eye thing it's not for the rest of your body but once they work out other things like it'll be like the example you gave mike it it, it will be crazy um and i i do think about like social experiments that they can do with it too i'm not saying this is a great thing but like one of the one of the demos is this movie theater it plays so it plays a video from your computer on a movie theater screen and it's like you're in the movie theater and uh, it seems like sort of sort of rinky like rinky dink in the sense like why don't you just go to a movie theater and of course that that makes the most sense but like it made me think like if they got to the point where they could replicate people in the in the environment, you could go see a movie with somebody like living in New Zealand through this VR thing or whatever. Or you could go to a cop that's sitting on the other side of the world, and it's not like Skype chat like we're doing now. It's you know anyway. They have I, it looks cool. The promise the promise is the, there. The, the Oculus what? developers have VR meetings where you put you don a headset and you have an avatar. I haven't tried it. I just saw an article about it where they actually meet in virtual space and everyone's wearing a headset and I think has a camera track to them and whatever. So they're all around the world, but they're meeting in this cyber meeting room <laughs> with their headsets on and they can look around and see people. I don't know. I don't know how good it is, but it, 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 they're going that direction. Anyway, I'm have, sold. Have, having tried it just for 10 minutes, yeah, I'm sold. Gonna, I, think I, like, I like how one of the first things they've done with it is replicate one of the most boring things in life, a meeting. They're like, yes, virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, virtual meeting. Yeah, no, that's what's interesting about the boring stuff. Actually, the first thing when you start the Oculus Rift is there's a desk there and like it's got paperweights and it's got a deck <laughs> of cards on it. And you're like, wow. And you're looking down on it because it's like virtual space. You're like, check out this amazing desk. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then you take off the VR headset and look at the real desk sitting in front of you and you're like, I saw a desk like this right in the virtual world. Uh, I just can uh, just imagine but, uh, all these dumb, there's going to be video games like for kids and it's like cleaning your room video game and these kids <laughs> are like, like, oh yes, video game. <laughs> clean the room, but they won't clean the real room. Yeah, Mom, I just cleaned my virtual room. I don't want to clean this room. <laughs> so as you bring children to the world, this, this, these will be the kind of things that you'll have divisive conversations with your children about because you guys grew up with like console gaming uh, as a thing, as a part of life. But now your kids are going to be like, oh, Dad, I want to be in the VR more. I don't want to be part of real life. And you'd be like, son or daughter – you need to get out and enjoy the sun, and they'll, you know, you'll have these kind of struggles because they'll just want to. Yeah, I'm sure it'll, be, especially because I'm a big anti-technology yeah. for kids, at least to a Dad, certain age. Billy's, Billy's family has a VR machine. Why can't we have one? I'm going to be the lame. I hate you. You are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to those days. Hey, um, 
This has been interesting, but should we get into oh, the Oh, yeah, topics? we're running pretty long here. Didn't we just do one? Well, almost. Yep. All right, it's topic time, boys. Hold your pants. All right, let's get it going. <laughs> See, you wouldn't be coughing if you were using a VR random topic generator. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that would defeat the purpose <coughs> of, you know, the reality of the show that we actually use this physical machine and not That's some true. virtual yeah. reality people, equivalent. People, people approve of us because of our legitimacy and commitment to Well, it gives us credibility. Exactly, you know? yep. Um, the topic that came out today is vigilantism. Oh. Vigilantes. So, so this is this is taking basically, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this. Essentially, taking the law into your own hands, sort of like justice is the justice system has failed in some form or another. So people take take up vigilantism and sort of you know perform their own sort of justice as they see fit. Is is that is that what vigilantism is? Well. Yes, I think so. I'm not sure if it means the justice system failed. Uh, I think it just well, means... t- well, taking the law in your own hands, basically. Yeah, de- definitely. Take, uh, that's how I is, uh, associate it with, and I also associate as I'm raised on comic books and pop culture with uh, with like certain superheroes uh, slash villains, such as the Punisher, who was a, a famous <laughs> yeah. one in Marvel comics. Yeah. He, he was people. a vigilante. Yeah. And J. Jonah Jameson would often call Peter Parker, Spider-Man, a masked vigilante. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I think of um, Charles Bronson from Death Wish, what, one through five, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of those action movies involve, um, you know, the law being ineffective because of some reason. And so that's hence the, the guy is still, we can consider him a hero, Although in reality, you know, that person would be punished by the law, even if he did do right by his actions, well, right? I think this is a pretty basic thing. Base, I mean, in that it tweaks on, like, emotional responses that I think we can all relate to, like, um, which is feelings of being wronged and wanting revenge. You know, so if you just lay out a simple story, like, man's, I don't know, I'm just going to make something up, daughter gets raped or something and then boy the boy goes up and somehow gets off on a technicality and is free and then the father is like i'm gonna give this guy a beat down and then you know you're like yeah i give that guy his just dessert or something like that it, it's this visceral kind of revenge or vengeance thing that i think that most human beings have somewhere in the back of their brains yeah, that's like um, like a classic 80 movies plot right there pretty pretty much. <laughs> but you know it, it's a, that's a fair point that's like one of the bigger horrors is being a parent and having your children harmed and then having society that you pay taxes into that you're a part of um, let this person go with uh, punishment or no punishment, something you feel is inadequate. And so you take the law into your own hands and enact your own punishment. And um, that's something that people can like relate to, right? You know, like that's not, uh, that's a very difficult thing to um, suppress. Are we talking like, cause the thing is, is that there's all these uh, and, for lack of a better term, romantic notions around vigilantism, like like you see in the movies and the yeah. comic books, you know, uh, this guy. But is vigilantism would that apply to you know uh, the guy during the the Dark Knight Rises who went into the movie theater and shot up the movie theater, or the or or, or somebody who goes into like the Columbine shootings where somebody feels wronged at school, the girls reject him, and then he comes in and he shoots well, up the school. Is that I, vigilantism? I no, I don't think so. I think I think v- vigilantism is response to something that is like it's not like 
I'm angry and I dislike a bunch of stuff, so I'm going to go on a killing rampage. I think that's different than I, – because I, I think if you think of something like Columbine, there's no – I don't think you can say there's somehow justice there. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it just sounds like but if violence. They think, and- if, if they think they've been wronged, like say they think – because most of these people who go on these shootings yeah, think I, they've been wronged no, in Yeah, some I know way. what you're what – you're, what you're saying, but I feel like it's not. I feel like it's more in a response to a failure of some other mechanism of punishment that vigil, vigilantism might rise. I don't think it's just any act of violence. People think, oh, I don't like, or I'm angry at this person. They've wronged me in some way, so I'll kill them, and now I'm a vigilante. I think that's different. I think it's more like the police are corrupt, and um, so and organized crime is ruining the city. So I'm going to you know, start my own militia of vigilantes and we're going to, like, fight back. Like, it's sort of, there has to be, I think, a failure of some um, some institution, some state institution that's supposed to perform that that duty. And once it, it doesn't, then vigilantism uh, makes some kind of sense. That That's at least the way I see vigilantism. Yeah, because I think any old fool can pick up a, a weapon or or punish people and say, well, I'm a vigilante or describe it as such. But I think that... Um, I think given like a group of peers looking at a particular person's action saying, no, this is clearly not vigilantism. This is clearly just, you know, murder and some sort of convenient excuse to, to allow the behavior. But, um, when we talk about actual groups of individuals who might go out and say the law is ineffective or doesn't serve our community or whatever. And so, um, without being ratified by the authority of government, essentially, uh, you go out and, and dish out uh, you know punishments for violations of a of some sort of co self made code. Mike, I'm actually curious in your thoughts on this because I think vigilantism sounds like a very key situation. Like if you're in a in an oppressive under an oppressive state or regime or whatever, uh, and then you presented the situation um, to somebody, they might say, "Well, that makes sense. Vigilantism in this particular situation makes sense." But then in other situations, uh, might not make sense. And I know you, uh, uh, Mike, are somebody who who have lamented sort of the police and and that sort of thing in the past, or the structure, sort of regimented structure of at least Western society. I'm just wondering if if do you think vigilantism is is something that is that, that is okay to do or do you think no I, I, I don't like my issues of the kind of um the way our society is structured or more, or more ones where i think the, the way to change those, those those types of issues is through something and has happened in the past through sort of revolutionary actions of various sorts um whether they be peaceful or otherwise uh, but that's not the same as as vigilantism. I think vigilantism by nature is small, small. This is again, this is just my sort of interpretation of it. Um, in that it's like some there's some specific crime and or something, and and someone's taking justice into their own hands. The reason I I don't think it works because um, everyone has a different idea of what uh, justice might be right so in most uh western countries save or most countries in the world uh, um capital punishment say killing people when when they've when they've murdered someone we, we no longer do we've decided as a society that's sort of so the state's not going to practice this but an individual in one of those countries might be like especially if say you're related to a murder victim justice for you might be well, they, that person killed my brother or something. Uh, they need to die. That's justice. And then if I go and, and act on that, then I then I become a, a vigilante. I think it's a, it's problematic because it, it leads to it 
chains chains of violence and doesn't actually sort of solve problems. And though the legal system is often a big mess and doesn't always work properly, I think it takes that kind of knee-jerk emotional response uh, out out of the equation. And I think that's important or else we have sort of in, I don't know, just lawless state. Yeah, like that's the whole like, – because we have a lot of pop culture and a lot of narrative in our – in the Western societies, and you know, most like a, a lot of Western communities don't have capital punishment, but some still, you know, have a very capital punish. Like some still do practice it. Um, like this idea that uh, you know the law is made up by a group of people, and that you know maybe in extreme cases we talk about murder or rape, but you know there is a certain sense that you know many people feel that the law doesn't respond to their needs or doesn't protect them in the way that it's supposed to. Um, and so is there a point, I guess, where, you know, it, it goes beyond being a knee-jerk reaction and identifying the ineffectiveness, uh, ineffectiveness of the law? Like right now, I think the biggest complaint is just like how bureaucratic and how high the bar is for needing evidence, for example. Like if you know something happened, but you've got to convince a jury of your peers and there's just insufficient evidence to do so, that has to be extremely frustrating to be a part of that system where, let's just say in my imaginary example, you know for sure, but um, the person doesn't get the punishment according to according to law, not according to your own precepts, because of technicalities based on evidence, requirements for evidence, things like that. Like, is there a line there where you're like, this isn't any good anymore? Like those, like those are, and, and those are always the situations where it makes you be like, oh, you want justice, right? But that kind of thing, that due process, what do they call it? Habeas corpus, I think. Uh, due process is like a, a, an extremely important, um, important thing. And that also, I think, came out of the Magna Carta in, in, in that in that the state can't just, you have to prove something. If you're going to charge someone with something, you have to be able to prove it. You can't just say, well, I know this and therefore, you know, you can convict someone or, or punish them for something. If it's not provable, like that's important. Otherwise, innocent people can get accused of things. But in those examples where you, you know a wrong happens and the system fails you, then it triggers, I think, that kind of visceral um, reptilian part of our brain's desire for revenge. And you want to like um, act on that. I wanted to bring up you guys. There's a couple of cases. There's one right now in the States. I don't know the details, but, but I, I talked about there was a, just a, like a riot that happened about some police officer shot um, some teenager who was unarmed. Uh, I, and I feel like I should <laughs> look oh, it up. Was that I'm in Florida? Like, no, it was, it was in Missouri. Florida. Yeah, okay. So there you go. Maybe Crofton, maybe you know more details than I do. But but so and he hasn't – people are up in arms and because this – this police officer has not been charged with with murder, and um, and they think he should, and there's sort of a riot. But I would say that they're not engaging in vigilantism. Vigilantism, I think, would be in, as a response to that would be if you had a group of those citizens who targeted police officers and started killing them. That would be they'd be vigilantes, right? Doing that kind of thing, taking that justice into their own hands. Whereas something, and this touches on what you asked me earlier, Croft and something like a riot. That's more like social action the people are very angry and they want the state to take action and they're you know destroying protest and their own revolt property. is different than well protest yeah and, and office turned to riot when when the anger is there yeah. i think vigilantism though is defined it's it's when you take the law into your own hands uh and and so if if a group of people are taking the law into their own hands or t- they're taking a they're making a vigilante type action so if it if, if it is a revolution that could be 
a type of vigilante. Well, see, but like in that example, I think the action that would be the vigilante response would be to, to, to get that cop and to like if they punished him, they killed him or something. That it's specific, where it's more like protest that just leads to property damage. I mean, yeah, they're like it's not like they're not taking That's action right. on that specific issue. Um, whereas, you know, you can, and, and here's the issue with vigilantes, and I think Bo, you're talking about this this um uh the the Florida um case where that teenager got shot with the hoodie on by Trayvon some Martin. Yeah. Yeah, and what was the guy's name? Zimmer- George George Zimmerman. Right. And that guy was basically took it upon himself. He's like, I'm the neighborhood patrol and kind of just walked around with a gun. Um, probably thinking he's a vigilante. I'm here to protect people. And he just murdered some kid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, that's the issue. Like there's no, it's just someone, some Joe Schmo's uh, judgment on a situation. Whereas in theory, police officers, in, in theory, maybe this Missouri case is, you know, part of a problem with that. They're accountable for their actions. If they, because they're employees of the state. Um, whereas if you're just some group, of people like the Ku Klux Klan are arguably vigilantes, but their version of justice is a crazy racist one where they've killed all sorts of people uh, because of their crazy religious and racial views. But they they probably see themselves as vigilante, like this is justice, this is right, this is God's law, or whatever, and they and they're acting on it. And obviously, that's pretty bad. No, that's right, and and that's why I think it's all in the eye of the beholder. Um, and, and in in the case of the Ku Klux Klan, you wouldn't want to share their 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 views. But um, in in the case of like, say say um, somebody gets killed, like one of these these kids, say get they get shot by a police officer, um, and the police. Police officer, uh, were there, and you saw what happened, and your testimony did nothing, and that sort of thing. Uh, and 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 because of the system, somehow that you know the the cop gets off from and that sort of, you know gets off on the charges. Um, well, you would probably feel that the system let you down, justice was not served, uh, and and that and that a wrong was perpetrated by one individual on another, and perhaps maliciously, and you. And nobody has done anything about it, and that person is getting away and able to live their life in that. So wouldn't at, all at you that- need to think about, about? I'm just going to say, you know, this famous quote where it's, "Yes, I shot him, and I hope he burns in hell." That's a horrible Samuel L. Jackson yeah. impression. But that's basically what a, that's yeah. basically what a time to kill is, right? Right. Yeah. Powerful yeah. No. I, I, absolutely. And and. When I and when you look at what's going on in Russia and in in these other countries that are that that maybe freedoms are being oppressed, say I was I was in Iran and that sort of thing, and and the police or were in the pocket uh, of a fascist or dictator government, and they're committing you know they commit atrocities, and then somebody goes out of their way to like fight back in some sort of way, just against you know, an, an individual or maybe a group of individuals that did it wrong, it would be easy to romanticize those people and say that they are they are heroes when, in fact, I think that's a really slippery slope. Well, yeah, because, I mean, even in that example, like, well, again, if, if, there's a, if there's an authority in power and you're fighting them, then that's more akin to revolution or uh, civil war. Like yeah. vigilantism, I think. Like, I, I think. Th- but that's not what I said. I said a particular group of, say, the police represent uh, the, this this fascist regime. regime but say, say, uh, 
Joe Smo cop rapes your sister and in in abusing this power that they have under this under this system and them and their and their two buddies watch on and you take vengeance against them that's an as a vigilante act although it's it's done in the context of an oppressive system and therefore it would elicit sympathy uh but to paint all vigilantism uh-huh. in broad strokes and be like yeah because in this this particular case, you can understand do the same thing. Doesn't necessarily mean that vigilantism is is good overall. That's what I meant by slippery slope. Right. I don't mean right. fighting back it, against like freedom oh, fighters. Okay. okay. But it, but it no, but it is interesting because it's it. But I think that if you know, and I feel like we spend a lot of time sort of trying to define this thing. But I I really think that if there's political, uh, if 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 there's something political involved that is not vigilantism, it's something else. It's you could call it resistance, or you could call it revolution, or something along those lines. As soon as it has that political aspect, because then it is like, what's your perspective, and are you fighting against a corrupt regime? And that's I think different different than I think you're very right, Crofton, and that vigilante actions can certainly uh, happen within those contexts. But but I think they, they they're they're more response based to specific to specific actions. Um, yeah, like so. Because oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, you know, you think of like the French Resistance during World War II, and you'd be like, are are they vigilantes? It's like, well, uh, I don't know. I think it's again, it's more political. It's more political thing. Oh no, I, I kind of feel just that um, if you're fighting against the authority, that's much different. I feel from a vigilantism context as opposed to. The government's being ineffective, so you operate in secret. You know, if it's a group of, yeah, I think you always operate in secret. If you're, if you're going to be a well-organized vigilante group to enforce uh, laws you feel are not being enforced, or enforce laws that don't exist that you feel should be, like uh, the Minutemen enforcing, um, you know, immigration and that uh, that kind of thing, or anti-immigration rather. Like an, um, what are they called? A not. Anonymous, you know the hackers. Is it anonymous? Uh, yeah, that's the notorious hacker group of late. Yeah, yeah, and I think they often see themselves as sort of vigil. Yeah, that, that might be a, the, a good example of a contemporary one that doesn't involve murdering people. <laughs> yeah, like, and because often it's it's often it's specific and re- often responses to specific things where they target a company like. Uh, you know, uh, and I don't have any of the examples right off the top of my head, but they might say, oh, this company's doing this bad thing. So what we're going to do is shut down their website and hamper their operations or or do something to disrupt them and cause them harm. I'd like to to like scale this down a little bit in that, say, let's give that, you know, that context, even like, you, you know, the one Crofton basically described, like like a time to kill. So it's sort of like, you know, your daughter's raped and was she murdered i can't remember anyways or left for dead trial happens these guys get off scot free um and then that father then takes in his hand and kills those guys say in a specific context like that is vigilantism where like an established system has failed do you guys think there's any merit in that type of vigilantism well when you remove um like when you remove emotion from it and you just look at cold hard facts you could see where the slippery slope lies like if this guy is able to do this uh because you know he feels there's a wrong but it wasn't given any sort of power through any organization or or legislative means then 
it becomes a slippery slope because then Joe, any anybody could do really anything, and if it's just somehow maybe through a court process after the fact, then then it's okay. It because I identify with the situation that from a time to kill, and it, when you see it, you're like, yeah, no, this guy, uh, it it was it was uh, racially motivated. What happened to his daughter? Um, he was able to, uh, to through the court of law, like after being convicted through in this fiction he was able to um uh, argue uh, his uh, have his lawyer argue his way out of out of being found guilty even though he did in fact kill them because with the context being that they, that they were that the, the whole system was racist and and that his um uh, the the killers were let off because of of you know uh, the the whole sort of white supremacy uh, that plagued the South at that time. I feel personally that I can identify with it, but at the same time, I can't endorse it because um, even though I could, I picture the situation, I picture myself in it. I feel like it's too, um, it's too much of a slippery slope. Giving this power to one person and not everybody, you know, uh, it's very dangerous. Yeah, because there, there really is the two kinds. There's the um the emotionally, because I feel like um, I feel like I'm ready to to hurt someone in the context of you know something bad happens to me. God, and I shouldn't record this because if anything does happen, it'll help solidify my guilt. <laughs> <laughs> but reserved for posterity. Yes, but um, I feel like if something really bad happened, I would be capable and would be finding the right set of circumstances on an emotional level. I could be compromised, and I could engage in, in in taking the law into my own hands and enacting violence. I hope that day never comes and it probably won't. Um, well, but I, it's, but so it's funny. I, I, I feel sympathetic. I just want to finish. I, I feel sympathetic to that sort of plight. But when I look at somebody taking a more rational, not an emotional, not a personally emotionally charged point of view on something, say like, you know, we're going to go and find, um, we're gonna. I'm, you know what? The government's not doing enough to hunt down terrorists. I'm gonna go hunt them down. Me and my friends were some red-blooded Canadians, and we're gonna go find terrorists and we're gonna go put them down. That's bad. That that for sure. That's bad because then every old Tom, Dick, and Jerry uh, starts a group, and it's a big threat to public safety overall. Because who knows what the hell the you know it it, it it's it creates a, a lack of fair. There are definite problems there. And I don't endorse that. It, I was just going to say, when you were talking about that, I remember when I was a kid, I don't know how old I was, but I feel young enough. I remember my dad trying to explain to my brother and I about like how street, you know, if people shouldn't touch you in your private area, and, <laughs> which was, you know, good to be aware of as a little kid. And I remember him saying, if anyone ever touches you, I'll kill them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. My dad's quite rash. Yeah. He's quite rash. And I bet he would have. And I'm kind of like, sure. well, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I didn't have to go sure. through anything like that because he is that type of rash individual who who would say that our justice system is not going to give me the justice that I see is satisfactory, so I will go take it in my own hands. And that's – it's just – I mean I agree with Crofton in that it's uh, – like – and I think I, I said this at the start in that I think most people can relate to it in that it's – when it is emotional, like you can you can see it. You know, you've been wronged and the system's failed you. Oh, you want that justice it just doesn't it just feels wrong to not have it but 
as a kind of mode of practice to, if, if that it could exist in our society, we kind of have to condemn it or else it, the, the, the law and order that, that kind of gives us the peace that we enjoy in this country would break down pretty quick when everyone's sort of saying like, well, I don't, I don't agree with that law. I think this should happen to hell with it. I'll go yeah. kill this guy the, or the, smash his the, car the, or whatever. The one issue with that is, um, you know, I think once you get, if you get to a point where people are committing crimes and the punishments are laughable, then it, it sends a message of permissiveness to those who might dine to, you know, try to commit crimes or to do things like there's, as much as there's like a, a, a gut satisfaction, there's also like there's this there's there's this aspect to me that's like you know it's the mutually assured destruction button. It's like okay, hurt people I love and you'll be hurt, and then you know it sends a mess. Like there's the bigger there's the bigger game of you know if people. It's a deterrent if you feel like you're going to commit a crime to somebody, but that you will see consequences. But when you feel that there will be no consequences. Uh, then you know you're more likely to try these things, and so there's a part of you, and that's still emotionally charged. But there's a part of me that that feels that way about this, where it's like you know the the the, the reason for justice is so that we can all get along and live peacefully. And if you're going to break that peace, then you know I should break a peace over your head. To to round <laughs> to round the corner just before verdicts, um, and, and get back to what we're beginning about about popular culture, because there's so many vigilantes in popular culture, uh, some more extreme than the others. Pretty much every superhero you can think of is in some way a vigilante. Um, and, uh, and it's just interesting to me, uh, really, that in everyday life, there are Aren't that many high-profile vigilantes uh, that you can that you can see that say sort of escape the law or what have you? You don't see you don't see news stories about some guy running around in a leather outfit with a bulletproof vest taking names or whatever. Jodie Foster did a movie recently, I think, where she's a vigilante or or what. And maybe there are some people like that. Like you hear about, there's guys like Dog the Bounty Hunter that are kind of like, that are bounty hunters, but they, they generally well, operate within a, an organized structure and, and capture criminals in, in a sort of system they have in the States. But you don't really see vigilanteism too much, at least not high profile ones. No. Well, or if you do, it it often is, it's like the Ku Klux Klan where you're like, they're crazy or this is, it's not good. Like I, I would say, you know, this case in New Brunswick where this guy shot three police officers, I I bet you that guy sees himself as a vigilante. Um, you know, he had this kind of like Rambo kind of aura about him. He was trying to like, you know, he's just kind of this counterculture. The way he saw the world was so extreme that he had to take uh, you know, justice into his own hands, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> like, are we ready? For, what do you guys? Yeah, think I think we're we're here? ready to roll into verdicts. So I'm just going to go off ahead and say vigilantism is bad, and I think it's. I mean, I, I think we've been through it enough already in our discussion. In that, just in terms of living in a society, we need the rule of law to kind of maintain order even even when on those rare occasions where it, where it, where it fails us it's still important or else we just have a lawless society and that's really worse worse for all of us and um i do think that though the, it, it always is appealing because it it tweaks those emotional parts of us that want that and i think that a lot of the conservative uh right in most political systems sort of play on that and their sort of crime and crime and punishment sort of a 
agendas because it is an emotional issue. We want to see justice and that sort of thing. But I think most of these problems, if you want to solve them, it's not by going and getting revenge on someone. It's trying to figure out what the base reasons are we have these types of crimes and this sort of thing. That's my view. As we all know, I'm a big socialist and I think it's more like, you know, um, systemic problems rather than specific cases. But anyways, vigilantism, you got to keep that in, in check. It's a bad thing for society. I'm going to go right up with my verdict and then I'll explain it a little bit. Uh, so I think vigilantism is bad. And when I say it's bad, I mean it's bad in the way that smoking is bad. So in the way that like there's people that smoke that know that smoking is bad. They'll tell you that smoking is bad, but they still smoke. I'm saying vigilantism is bad, but I think that under the right circumstances, uh, I could understand it and perhaps even participate in it. And I think everybody sort of feels feels that way as well. And that's why I don't think it'll ever go away. But I do think, as we kind of touched on throughout this, that it is a slippery slope and that if you give somebody permissions to take the law into their own hands, well, then where does that end? You give everybody that permission, you, you know uh, – um, there, there are rules for a reason, and while a society can become corrupt or it can become unjust, um, there are social movements in ways that you can you can enable change without becoming, you know, uh, a man of action dressed in black leather with a semi-automatic. It was called First Blood, and it was actually not like the other Rambo movies. It was it was a Vietnam War vet who had been rejected by his society, rumbling into a town, walking into a town, the small town sheriff telling him to get lost because he looks like a homeless person, treats him like crap, and then next thing you know, he goes on a one-man rampage against the, um, against the city police. And the film is designed in such a way as that you – you empathize with him and that you feel for him. And honestly, I think a lot of vigilante is they have their, their view that you could get behind. But I think overall, you detaching yourself from romantic notions, you have to realize that this is too slippery and too dangerous a slope to, to, to rubber stamp and say this is okay. Everybody should be able to do is bad. I think I share my point of view with, with both of you. Uh, anyone, I grew up with a lot of culture that endorsed that romantic view of vigilantism. Uh, and, you know, it, it's weird. So you always get this sense. I feel like my brain is injected with this sense of like, well, there may be a circumstance where that's correct. But if we look at a country and um, a lot of us just get born into countries, and so we take it for granted. But if you think of it as like a membership to a club that you voluntarily signed up for, and, you know, those terms and conditions are that, you know, we're going to, as a group, decide on how to basically limit people's freedoms when they behave in ways that we disapprove of. Um, if we're all going to buy into that, then, you know, one of the silliest things to do is to to take the law into your own hands because you're paying taxes for it. You should participate in the group. That being said, there I think people become disenfranchised in in you know in Western states at the very least, you know, with they take for granted certain things and you know, a lot of it's based on hate or a lot of it's based on irrational fear. And we don't, you know, really have a real romantic superhero who, who there's never anyone in the news where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm glad he did that thing. You know, even 
even if he was right, it's just tragic and it, it doesn't feel good. So could we be doing a better job with justice? I think the answer is we always can be. I think that's something, you know, we need to always be paying attention to. And I don't. I think that we have so many smart people working on this kind of thing that some schmuck who decides that he knows what's best for the world um, is just that, a schmuck. So vigilantism is bad. That being said... Um, I'm 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 iffy on the whole emotionally charged vigilantism, but I think that's more revenge and not really vigilantism because well, it's well to, but, but, to me uh, I think vigilantism yeah just to it is it is yeah revenge. to me if you're doing vigilantism properly then you're doing it for reasons other than like personal reasons like you you've established that there's an ineffectiveness at enforcing the law or some law that you there and well, you're I out think, to go no, do that I think that's just, and you're a professional I think it is a lot more. <laughs> It is a lot more revenge yeah. based, and just one last one last thing was when I, when I was in script writing school, and they talked about like like oh if you want to get a, write a script for a movie that will get made, make it about revenge. <laughs> <laughs> but because part of it is just it's so base, it's one of these base human instincts. Everyone can kind of identify with the emotional trigger of like ooh I want to yeah. get that guy, he's yeah. a jerk. But um, I, I feel know, that I feel yeah. like if you're going to be a vigilante, like the capital V vigilante, be a professional. Do it professionally. Don't do it out of emotion. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, be a professional vigilante. Yeah. You can sign up to Bo Schwartz's vigilantism <laughs> and acting studio course. Uh, you will learn. You will learn how to deliver a proper revenge monologue. <laughs> And, and other tools of the right. trade. And how to clean an M16. Please, scumbag. <laughs> I am an actor seeking revenge. Actually, I like this idea. Feel my justice. <laughs> All right. So if you want to seek revenge on the fields of justice or just want to comment on the show, you can do so by writing into us. Uh, at or goodbadbull at gmail.com. You can visit our website if you want to find out more about the show, goodbadbull.com. There you can subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and we have an RSS feed for you RSS feed people out there. Um, if you visit iTunes or Stitcher, leave us a review on the site to let us know what you think about the show. We always love getting those, finally. You can follow us on Twitter, at goodbadbull, and like us uh, on Facebook. You can find the link on our site. Again, it's goodbadbull. All right, so I think our show is coming to a conclusion friends uh michael if our listeners want to find out more about you or just find you where can they do that well they can follow me at, at ml hodgins i actually even made a tweet the other day you made a tweet <laughs> it's like first one in a few That's i made good. one tweet. you made a tweet you just tweet you don't make them <laughs> no i made it <laughs> my phone I may even make another one in the next month. And Crofton, if uh, our listeners want to find out more about what you make, where can they find it about that stuff? They can follow me, yo, the original Twitter vigilante at Crofton Steers <laughs> on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> you can find me at Bo Schwartz. All right, guys. I think that'll pretty much wrap up the show. Um, I wanted to ask you guys what your favorite vigilante story was. I think Crofton, you kind of already talked about that a little bit, but I go with mine and say Commando. <laughs> where the guys the guys kidnapped no. daughter gets kidnapped and so he f- breaks into a depart gun department store and then blows up an island commando also what was with the theme music in that it was all like steel drum bass <laughs> it was really weird i think time to kill for sure i've seen that movie a million times it's always on tv but it's so like 
it feels so good that movie where you're like, and he's just, <laughs> just when he is like, yes, I killed him and I hope he burned in hell. And you're like, yes, <laughs> yes, it's satisfying. Yeah. No, it's funny. If you include superheroes, it's tough because th- there's a lot of superhero stuff that I, every I like. Every Batman movie. But, okay. But, but yeah, no, every Batman, because Batman is the badass. Bat- the ultimate vigilante. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think the, what I liked about the first Blood movie that, that I mentioned earlier was just sort of like compared to the bombast of later Rambo films, it really uh, – <laughs> it really – provided kind of a nuanced view of, of post uh, uh, oh, yeah. it's a good movie a PSD one. yeah no no for sure and uh, it makes you because que- the it makes you question things the the and um, and uh, as well as makes you gives you that same feeling that you have for Samuel L. Jackson in A Time to Kill, except you question to yourself, is this a right feeling that I should have? Whereas in A Time to Kill, I was like, yeah, it's a right feeling. Screw those guys, you know? But, uh... <laughs> yeah, right? This I don't. I'm distracted right now because there's a large snake moving across the grass in front of me. But uh, yeah, whatever. Wow, he can really move. <laughs>